Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, right here on 670 The Score and your free Odyssey app. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, I am David Haw, talking baseball until 11 o'clock from 9 to 11 like we do every Saturday. Today, wondering if the surging Cubs have a full-fledged, homegrown star on their hands and whether the White Sox officially got lost on their road trip after losing again last night to the Mariners, 3-2. to two. Andrew Benintendi went deep for his first home run in 245 of Bassett Cubs. Of course, 10-3 to three winners at Wrigley Field. Festive, fun day, Friday afternoon at the Friendly Confines. We're here to talk about all the things going on. And, of course, listening to your input as well, 312 644 6767. Let us know what you think. Bruce has the day off. The fans do not. It is a fun day to get involved in some baseball conversation, and we are here until 11 o'clock to do that for you. Let's start with the Cubs. The Cubs are a team that has answered Jed Hoyer's question pretty, pretty emphatically this week. They have come home from their West Coast road swing. They have looked like a team that needed a sweep and did it. They beat the Pirates and then continued their progress with a victory Friday afternoon against the Orioles. And now the Cubs have won four straight, the longest winning streak since earlier this season when things were going well in April. They've got a chance today with Justin Steele returning to have a season-long five-game winning streak. That's fun. They're having fun again. They are hitting. Friday at Wrigley Field, they beat the Orioles, a very good team, after they beat the Pirates, a very good team, and after they took two or three from the Giants, a pretty good team. They're headed in the right direction, and they are doing the little things well, and they're getting hits when they need them, finally. They're hitting with runners in scoring position. They're getting the long ball, and they're taking advantage of the emergence of somebody who's very interesting in Christopher Morrell. What do they have in this young 24-year-old who is 
who started the season in Iowa for reasons that they probably regret, but has an infectious enthusiasm that is so much fun to watch and the Cubs are blessed to have. And now what? Now what do you have in Christopher Morrell? Is he a guy that is got versatility that is both a blessing and a curse? Is he a guy that is going to morph into a star that you didn't see coming or expect? Is he a flash in the pan or going to be a staple on the north side for years to come? 312-644-6767. What he did yesterday was continue this nice little resurgence that he has shown since taking a night off at Anaheim on the recent road trip. The Cubs are an interesting team. The Cubs are an interesting team again now that they have gotten some consistent starting pitching and they're hitting with, with in the clutch and hitting with runners in scoring position like they weren't doing. It's a fourth straight game. They scored at least four runs in an inning. And that's the first time that's happened since June 28th, 2018. Five years ago. And I think Christopher Morrell is a big reason why there's a lot of excitement because whether he's hitting a triple, whether he's hitting the ball to the moon, or whether he's just, whatever he does, he does it with joy. And that was what we heard after the game yesterday when he was interviewed about his little surge and his little power uh, stroke and just everything going right for Christopher Morrell. This is what he had to say post-game on the Marquee Sports Network. So, first of all, I want to, like, say something. When we got to, like, this game, like, feel like not good, Swanson go to, to me and send me, hey, think about, like, the first game when you come out. So, trying to be early, trying to the slow game, the, the game slow down, and getting, it, like, get your pitch and be ready and be possible. And Swanson help me in this. So these are San Francisco. They help me a lot. Christopher Morrell, after the game on Friday afternoon, the Cubs 10-3 winners. We're going to talk to Patrick Mooney at the bottom of the hour from The Athletic about Christopher Morrell and other things. We're going to talk to uh, Mike Rankin from Future Sox in the second hour at 10.30 about their situation and, and their search for a fifth starter. But we're starting here with the Cubs and the conversation about exactly what the Cubs have in a young man and a player that I think flashed last year, but he didn't necessarily adjust to the adjustments and you wondered what was going to happen this season. But just since June 9th, in the last week alone, he's hit 440 with only two strikeouts. And right now, as we sit here this morning, with hitters that have had at least 100 at-bats, Christopher Morell is first in slugging percentage, second in OPS in Major League Baseball. Do the Cubs have a superstar on their hands? What do they have? And the superstar is overstating it, probably, maybe. Do they have a star in their hands? Do they have an all-star that didn't start the season with the major league team for reasons that may, you know, roster construction and you understand a little bit, but, boy, they regret. But right now, if you did this, and I know it's Iowa, and I know it's AAA, but let's have some fun with Christopher Morrell. If you combine his numbers for 2023 – He's played 29 games in Iowa. He's played 29 games with the Cubs. And in those 58 games, he's had 218 at-bats, 69 hits, 13 doubles, 3 triples, 23 home runs, 57 runs batted in. 
23 home runs and 57 runs batted in. The major league, la- le- major league leader in home runs has 22. Pete Alonso and some guy named Otani on the West Coast who nobody ever watches play. 22 home runs, that's a major league leader. And the major league leader in RBIs is Rafael Devers for Boston with 56. Christopher Morell's numbers through 58 games as he's played baseball in 2023, he's got more home runs and has driven in more runs than anybody at the major league level. And I know you can't do that, Sox fans. I know you can't combine Iowa pitching and apply that to major league statistics. But let's just have a little fun with this. Because when he says, thank you, Swanson, because Dansby Swanson talked him out of a slump in Anaheim and told him to just relax and let things come to him, that's encouraging because he's adjusting to the adjustments. He's recalibrating everything because he's a, he goes at a speed that not many players go at. And so now you have a guy who is on a tear, and it's just where do you put him? What do you do with him? And it's a great problem to have. I don't think you want him. At D, I don't think you want him to be your full-time DH. I don't think you want him to be a guy that you take out of the field because I think the splits look like he responds to playing the field. And you can't. He's got a little Aloy Jimenez in, in him that way. Now Aloy has adjusted. He's had to. And I think that. If you see a trend like that with Christopher Morrell, you want to take advantage. Get him in the field, find him a spot, and let him hit. Because when he's hitting, he he is, as the numbers suggest, he's a special hitter. He's got um, enormous potential. He's got a little Javi Baez in him. He, he, he does. He's just one of those guys that with that flair, a little flamboyance, a little you know lack of discipline at the plate. But, boy, when he gets after it and he gets hot, he can carry a team. Yeah, Nick Madrigal is blocking him at third base, as our producer Sean Sears points out. I don't know how long that will last. I'm not quite sure what Nick Madrigal is doing at third base except for waiting for Patrick Wisdom to get hot. But the Cubs are definitely headed back in the right direction. And they've answered the question that Jed Hoyer kind of asked rhetorically about what, do, what, what are they going to do as we get closer to the trade deadline seems like earlier and earlier every year we're searching for answers. Are you buyers? Are you sellers? What trends are you seeing? Would you want to get in front of this? The Cubs' response in the last week has said they're serious about staying in contention in a division that's winnable. The Sox can say the same thing. We'll get to them in a moment. The Sox can say the same thing, but the Cubs now three games back. Three games back of the Milwaukee Brewers who are, who are at 35 and 34. This division, as the AL Central, is defined by mediocrity. The red-hot Cincinnati Reds are now 500. They won their sixth in a row. They're not going away. They've got young talent galore. As much as we look at the Pirates, who just came to Wrigley and lost three straight, and the Cubs are going to see again next week at a good time probably, as much as we talk about the Pirates and all their young talent and what to like about them, look out for the Cincinnati Reds. they are going to be a team to be reckoned with this season, I think, as they begin to integrate some of those players into the mix and lineup and see them develop in real time. I think that's an exciting team, but they are ahead of the Cubs as well. So the Cubs are in fourth place, but it doesn't feel like that because of the way that they have played this week. 
and the way that they have responded since really having a, a very low point in Anaheim against the Angels. Three in a row, three losses. They go to San Francisco and they take care of business, and then they come home and they haven't lost since. So that's fun to watch, and it's been fun to see a guy like Kyle Hendricks go to the mound at Wrigley and have his second straight pretty good start. Now, he wasn't as dominant as he was Saturday night in San Francisco, but that was rare. What you saw from the professor was was a pretty workmanlike, serviceable. You'll take it. You'll take it when you are in the position of the Cubs that uh, are where, where they are. They needed him to kind of get back in the rotation to stabilize things. And Justin Steele goes back today. We heard from Kyle Hendricks because it was his first appearance at Wrigley in a while and coming off of that um, Saturday night gem in San Francisco. And he was also grateful for the offensive support and noted that post game when he talked about the offense. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. The at bats we've been putting together, it was a huge inning by Fulmer getting out of that, you know, big strikeouts there and giving us a chance to then add on. But yeah, you've seen it the last week in particular. Great at bats, great pitch to pitch. Some guys are getting real hot. I mean, Happer's leading us. He's doing unbelievable. But today, Simo and Trey, great games. So, yeah, all around, just you can tell they're building off of each other at bat to at bat. It's awesome to watch. Kyle Hendricks, the professor, good to see him doing well. And he's right. It's not just Christopher Morrell because I think we get a little carried away, at least I have, watching him play because he's so much fun. But there have been some very solid contributions. Ian Happ has had a week. Goodness sake, has he been hot? And he didn't even start yesterday, but he comes in and he drives in another run. I think he's got 10 runs batted in his last four games. That's quite a week. And he has been clutch. And Dansby Swanson uh, with hitting a home run along with Miguel Amaya, who continues to impress. And Trey Mancini. A quick word about Trey Mancini. The Cubs don't have a more professional guy. It's easier to like in that clubhouse. And to hear him tell... Zach Zaidman, and I was, I was in the Cub Clubhouse on Friday afternoon, and I saw Zach interviewing him because playing the Orioles means something to Trey Mancini, who was part of the organization, part of the city, that helped him deal with what he was going through and, and beating cancer. And you hear the perspective in his voice and the emotion that's obvious. And Trey Mancini is one of the easier guys to root for in a Cubs clubhouse full of them. This is a very likable team. And when Trey Mancini has had some pretty good at-bats lately, you'd like to see that, especially Friday against his former team at a time where, you know, the Cubs would like to see him emerge because they've had, a, you know, a difficult difficult week with um, from the standpoint of, of moving Matt Mervis down. That was a disappointment. First base is now filled by, you know, a combination of, of Mancini and, and Cody Bellinger. Good to see Belly back. I do. I thought David Ross was talking before the game. Cody Bellinger, I know Sean Sears will nod his head when I'm saying this, but he just brings a swagger that the Cubs missed and lacked. This is a guy that, lo- that carries himself like a professional hitter. His presence in the clubhouse and the dugout was missed, certainly in the lineup. It just feels different when you have Bellinger in the middle of that order. And it's one of those things where, you know, when Marcus Stroman referred to him as a glue guy, Earlier in the week, one of the more interesting things that Stroman said this week, but not the only interesting thing he said. He had a lot to say. We'll get to that later. But Cody Bellinger is one of those guys you welcome back. And if it means moving Matt Mervis back to Iowa, so be it. He'll be back. 
He'll be back. There's a lot to like about Mervis. Gripping the bat a little too tight. Taking the strikeouts a little too hard. Trying a little too much. That's a young player that is pressing and that was obvious to everyone that could see it. And so they will move on. But the Cubs right now in a pretty good spot as they get ready to take on the Orioles in game two of the series, three-game series. And if the Cubs can win another series, that would be headed another sign of progress and a sign of them headed in the right direction. All right, before we get to a break, we want to address the White Sox briefly here. They lost to the Mariners, 3-2. to two. And Michael Kopech threw four and a third innings for people that weren't able to watch the game on Apple the TV and didn't feel like paying attention to Sox fans who were just fed up. Why ruin my Friday night by trying to figure out my television set and see where they are in Apple TV? I get it. I wouldn't want to watch that one thing either. Michael Kopech, he threw 102 pitches, and he couldn't get through the fifth. So that's not a very efficient outing. Only gave up six hits, but he walked six batters. Struck out four. And Tanner Banks and actually Jesse Schultons didn't do too poorly coming in and, and taking his place. So that was that was a serviceable effort from the, the Sox pitchers. But they couldn't get any offense going. They only scored two runs. One of those runs came from an Andrew Benintendi home run. Normally, Benintendi drives one right center field. This is hit well. Hernandez is back. That ball is gone. Andrew Benintendi breaks his long homerless streak, and he's given the White Sox the lead here in the top of the sixth inning. It's 2-1. to one. I wasn't even ready for that highlight, see? We're not used to Andrew Benintendi homering. So the highlight was right over my sentence. Sean, he caught me off guard because who expected Benintendi to homer? Nobody. 245 at-bats, 64 games, and okay, Here's the thing that is interesting about him homering now. It appears he has a sore hand. It appears he has an injury that Pedro Gafol knows about, everybody in the, in the White Sox knows about, we apparently should know about. If he's hurt, don't let him play. If he's hurt, why is he trying to play through it? Listen. The White Sox do not get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to injuries. They just don't. Why? How long you got? We're only going to be here till 11 o'clock. We can take every segment until 11 and talk about the White Sox injury past and how they have dealt with guys who have sore hands or bad hammies or obliques or elbows or biceps. And we could look at examples and think, well, you know what, maybe they should have done this. Oh, when did they know that? And Well, oh, this was hurting, and they tried to play through it, Yohan Mankata? No. No. They don't get the benefit of, my, of, the, of the doubt here from me. And I wonder if this Benintendi thing has kept him from hitting with power, if it is something that they knew about all along, number one, if it happened last year and they still were concerned about it, and they still wrote him the richest contract the White Sox have ever given anybody, what were they doing? Or if they knew that he was going to be compromised overall, why didn't they say anything? I don't know that you can look at it now and like, oh, yeah, you know what, he's got 
245 at-bats, and we can play left fielder who's not going to hit a home run. The Sox had two of the, the, the four least threatening power hitters in baseball in their lineup at the same time this season going into Friday night's game, and that was Tim Anderson and Andrew Benintendi, two guys who had not hit a home run. Benintendi ended the drought, but I'm not expecting a power surge because his hand still hurts and he's apparently still injured. And Pedro Gafal gets ticked off about it, doesn't care about home runs. Pedro, you're the only one. You need a home run production. You need him to be able to run into one every once in a while if he's going to play left field every day, if you're going to pay him what they're paying him. Five years, $75 million, I believe. The Sox have never had a $100 million player. Andrew Benintendi is steady at the plate. He's a very good outfielder. He's a very competent guy in your batting order, but he's not hitting for power. And when you're paying him what you're paying him, that's a reasonable expectation. That's all. And now that we hear that he's had a hand injury that may have gotten in the way, I don't think we. the reaction is collectively, oh, okay, we get it now. The reaction to me is, oh, my gosh, again? Another one? Another guy who is playing through an injury, and you wonder why. You wonder, when did they know? What did they know? And why did they not do more about it? That's my reaction. What's yours? 312-644-6767. Line up the calls. Get the text. We'll get to your reaction. But when we come back, Patrick Mooney covers the Cubs for the Athletic. He does a great job of getting behind the scenes. He does a great job of putting things in perspective. He talked to Scott Boris on the Cubs' recent uh, road trip about Cody Bellinger. He's also got some thoughts on Marcus Stroman and where that thing is headed. We will talk to Patrick Mooney next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. I feel like we, get a, we have a little momentum going right now. Um, things finally kind of turned to our, in our favor. Uh, I think everybody in this clubhouse kind of knows that type of run like this is truly capable. Um, so it's just a matter of going out there, staying true to our routine, staying true to our work, and, and just competing every day, and hopefully things will start to go our way. There's nobody in the league we can't play with. It's just a matter of putting wins together. And, and like I said, um, all these close games hopefully will start to go in our favor. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. David Haw in today. Bruce is off, and we're talking Cubs. We're talking Sox, and we're talking next to our guest who joins us on the Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. His name is Patrick Mooney. He writes for The Athletic, covers the Cubs, and that was Marcus Stroman coming in, Patrick. He's had a very interesting week, and we want to talk about where that is headed in a moment. But let's start with this. The question we asked our, our audience at the beginning of the show after Christopher Morrell had another day at the plate, and he's had two straight games now with three hits. Is this a star in the making? Is this a flash in the pan? What do the Cubs have exactly with Christopher Morrell? Well, Dave, I think the Cubs have shown they don't really know what they have. Uh, in terms of a guy who started the year uh, in Iowa who hasn't quite found a position yet, but I think the Cubs have adjusted here and decided, like, let's see what he can do as our designated hitter. And he's not a star. I don't think he's a star yet. I don't think he's going to be a flash in the pan, but I mean, clearly everyone can see it that he has just some freaky 
talents that are really difficult to find. You don't see uh, every day. And I think, uh, you know, kind of a long-term project will be finding a defensive home for Morrell, whether that's just really hammering those throws from third base to get all the right arm angles down, or maybe it's only focusing uh, on the outfield. But I thought it was telling the other day when David Ross was asked about Morrell very broadly, uh, no one mentioned Javier Baez and Ross said, there are those Javi moments where he reminds you of that. And, you know, those players uh, are extremely hard to find. And I think ideally for the Cubs, they could, you know, win now and develop players like Morrell. That's kind of, kind of the plan. We'll see if it works. With him being challenged at times defensively, Patrick, I think the easy answer for a lot of people are, well, just make him the designated hitter. I think the splits suggest that, and even he has acknowledged, that you know, playing the field, you're into mm-hmm. the game a little bit more. It's hard adjustment for a young player to make. How much will the Cubs factor that into using him in the way that they deploy him or, or maybe the way that they keep him out of the DH role? Is that a, a relevant thing? Is that something that you think will, uh, will factor in moving forward? No, that's definitely a thing. I mean, Morrell has spoken with Mike Napoli, uh, you know, Cubs coach and a very decorated major league hitter uh, about the mindset you need to have as a designated hitter to not overthink things, but still like stay in tune uh, with the game. And no doubt it's hard. And I think that was part of the reason the Cubs were able to carry Javier Baez and how he was able to you know, become a star here because he could impact the game in a lot of different ways. And you knew that even if he was hitting at the bottom of the order and even if, when he was struggling, uh, he could do a lot defensively to help you win and help his confidence grow. But when you see Morel's speed, his arm strength, uh, his positive attitude, like there's all these attributes here that – uh, I think it's on him and the Cubs to figure out, you know, where that position is. So it was a week ago, Patrick, that Marcus Stroman took to Twitter to essentially begin the public <laughs> portion of the contract re- negotiations over an extension. And then he followed it up to his credit with facing reporters in the clubhouse in San Francisco. And then he addressed all of the questions. And it was then Jed Hoyer's turn earlier this week to respond to that. And Jed sounded a little annoyed. And you've been around this team for a long time and have as good of a grasp as anybody that covers it. How would you describe just number one, how rare the last week has been in terms of, you know, a player going public like this. And secondly, how it all was handled by both sides. Well, David, I would say this was very Cubs. I think that was kind of what, struck me the old Lou Pinella uh, cubby occurrence uh, descriptor and you're right I mean Stroman to his credit like is very direct he's very intelligent Um, you know it's hard to tell how much was strategic and how much was spontaneous but you know I thought it was good that he explained it of just like whenever I go on Twitter uh, which is a whole separate conversation of like all I see is, you know, extend him. Why aren't you extended yet? And I do think broadly he makes a good point of, you know, how some of these contract negotiations across baseball go down is that, yeah, the front office, um, you know, has their ways to put a message out. And I think players uh, oftentimes are put on the defensive in some of these contract talks. But 
I also don't think that really applies here because Jed Hoyer, except for maybe one answer he should have clipped three seconds earlier a couple of years ago at the trade deadline, has been pretty um, – you know, discreet in all of these talks that they have been pretty buttoned up and that he hasn't uh, pointed the finger at, at, at players. And I just think like the strategy won't necessarily work. Like if, if Jed wasn't going to go out of his way to uh, extend Javi, who had a very strong offer on the table that got pulled when the pandemic started uh, in 2020, or if Jed's going to listen to Anthony Rizzo and just not re-engage after he publicly uh, aired his frustrations with the contract talks, like I don't really see why Jed is going to go out of his way now to uh, respond to a tweet and lock up Marcus Stroman. And what I wrote for the Athletic the other day was, you know, where some teams see exclusive negotiating window, the Cubs historically look at this as bidding against yourself and um, I think what has been overshadowed is the fact that this has been a great partnership like Stroman's pitched better than the Cubs thought they would and they obviously had high expectations given the investment they made in him and there are lots of things about the Cubs in Chicago that uh, has helped Marcus uh, stay consistent and at times reach an even higher level or rediscover, you know, what he was when he was one of the best young pitchers uh, in the game. So clearly this uh, isn't over, but I also don't think we can really rule too much in or out at this point. Joined by Patrick Mooney from the athletic covers, the Cubs here and inside the clubhouse, Chicago sports radio, six, seven, the score. So Stroman's situation being what it is, is certainly is not something as he has let to distract him. He has been as, mm-hmm. as solid as any starter in the national league. The Cubs have another situation on their hands potentially with Cody Bellinger. You spoke to Scott Boris recently on the West Coast Road Swing. And Scott Boris, when he talks, you know how it echoes around baseball and certainly around Chicago when he talks because of the way he speaks, but also what he had to say. Patrick, describe, number one, how Boris came to just you know share what he shared with you when you guys got together and then what he had to say and how it pertains to Cody Bellinger's situation. Well, uh, Boris was kind of a fixture on the Cubs' uh, recent road trip through Southern California, at least, both in Anaheim and San Diego. And uh, San Diego, usually on those West Coast trips, they usually uh, try and uh, talk with him. He's usually pretty easy to find kind of in the area behind home plate. And, you know, several years ago in San Diego, at the height of kind of Chris Bryant service time issues and things like that when he had coming off the years of him calling out Cubs ownership for their spending patterns. Uh, he did make a point back then to say that, you know, my clients, at least some of them uh, have gotten significantly better under the Cubs watch. And he has said, you know, it's a credit to their scouting and player development. And, you know, Chris Bryant was a relatively finished product, but you know, he absolutely hit the ground running and, you know, more than delivered, Uh, on the enormous hype and you know Jake Arrieta was bouncing between uh, the majors and AAA when he came to the Cubs and he became a Cy Young winner so my question to him was you know are the Cubs still that destination where you feel like your clients can get better and that they can give them a good platform and Cody Bellinger 
I think is an interesting test case. And, and until he slammed into the wall in, in Houston, it was going very, very well. And I think the Cubs uh, you know, missed him tremendously uh, while he was out. And Mike Talkman's done a really good job filling in. But when you look at uh, what he does in the middle of that lineup, uh, the athleticism he brings, the left-handed power, the experience, and even just there's a little bit of a lightness to him, like some swagger that, you know, the Cubs have a very um, serious, purposeful uh, group of position players who have been locked up for several years. And I think Bellinger just brings uh, a little bit of you know, kind of conf- breezy confidence uh, to the day-to-day. That's what you know, David Ross is mentioned several times now. And so we'll see if the Cubs uh, keep winning here and, you know, remain within a couple of games of first place. Uh, I think Jed Hoyers really wants to keep this team together and the Cubs can play it out and make Bellinger a qualifying offer. Um, if not, uh, he's going to get traded. I mean, Jed has, has shown he wants to be decisive in these scenarios, but you know, Boris made a comparison to Brandon Nimmo, who got, I think, eight years and $168 million from the Mets. And the comparison was he had been injured for a couple of years. And together with the Mets and uh, Nimmo and Boris's group, they were able to kind of put a plan in place, help him you know, stay healthy, kind of reboot uh, his program. And just that two-way center fielders are super hard to find. And Bellinger... Uh, is one of those. And, you know, I don't think the Cubs are going to be the team uh, or the Cubs don't have the owner like a Steve Cohen who's going to, you know, do deals with Boris and go eight years, $168 million. I don't see the Cubs doing that. But this has been a really good fit. And Bellinger really enjoys playing here. And I think he fits so many needs that the Cubs have moving forward. Uh, you see him as a gold glove caliber first baseman. The Cubs don't have that. Uh, he can be a gold glove center fielder and, you know, left-handed power has been uh, an issue for this team. So until uh, Cody Bellinger is signed, has signed with another team, I think the Cubs have to be involved in those conversations all the way until the end. He's still only 27 years old too. And he's exactly. a former MVP. Yeah, great point. So th- yeah. that's the other thing when you talk about the future of a contract. So, I know you're very rational and measured, Patrick, but if you had to look ahead to opening day 2024, who's more likely to be the Cubs opening day center fielder, Cody Bellinger or Pete Crow Armstrong? Oh, Cody Bellinger. I don't, I don't see a scenario in which Pete Crow Armstrong starts next year with the major league team. I think that would be uh, pushing it. And I think the Cubs are extremely high on his future and they are, um, certainly planning uh, for him to be an everyday center field at Wrigley field for a long time. But right. I, I just don't see that. I agree I think with you. One, I, I agree yeah. with you totally. I just think that it bears reminding people every, every Twitter highlight that we see of Pete Crow Armstrong, right. PCA, he's got a nickname. He doesn't necessarily have a spot next year right away. Patience is recommended. And I think Cody Bellinger is a guy that, it would be easy to understand why the Cubs might want to reinvest in him. And I think, too, you make a great point that David Ross has repeatedly, uh, maybe not repeatedly, but has strongly hinted at uh, recently, and that there's a huge difference between AAA 
and the major leagues. And, you know, Matt Mervis uh, may very well have a bright future. You can't judge, you know, a player on 99 plate appearances. But I do think this season, to me at least, has hammered home that point of, you know, it's nice to put up numbers in, in the minor leagues and, we all get so wrapped up into these like, you know, 20 second highlight clips uh, on Twitter and everyone wants to know what's next, but we've seen kind of time and again this year of, you know, people get their hopes up on this guy coming up from Iowa and uh, Christopher Morell has certainly delivered with, you know, a pretty extensive down period in, in the middle of that. But I mean, if, if you're the Cubs, you can't go into next year, you know, counting on uh, someone like Pete Crow Armstrong, like to be the man in center field. I think you're, you're going to have to build in options. And uh, you're absolutely right on the age thing with Bellinger, because that is enormously important when Jed and the R and D group and the IV computer system starts breaking down these players and projecting their future performances. Quickly before I let you go, Patrick, 30 seconds. What do you expect from Justin Steele today? Uh, I would expect a shorter outing, but uh, at this point, uh, I think Steele has been, just been so consistent uh, overall going all the way back to last season. I think you'd see you know, a short, efficient outing. I think for his benefit, he's been throwing like pretty regularly throughout this. It wasn't like he was shut down for a long time and shouldn't be super rusty, but uh, we'll see. I mean, that's a really good Orioles team over there. Patrick, thanks for your time. Uh, great to see you yesterday, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks so much, David. Patrick Mooney covers the Cubs for The Athletic, does it as well as anybody on that beat. He writes, he reports, he does a variety of things, and he's got a lot of talent. So that was interesting to hear his perspective on the Bellinger situation, certainly his perspective on Marcus Stroman. We'll continue to talk about that moving forward at the top of the hour. When we come back, did you hear – what Rob Manfred had to say this week. A little chin music next. That's inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. High and inside. Oh, chin music. A little chin music. Take that hit for a ride. It's time for some chin music. Hey, um, how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Did you watch the Rays A's game on Tuesday when the fans came out for the reverse boycott? I was actually at a dinner with the owners. Did you did you read the coverage? I did. I, I saw the You know, I mean, it, it was great. Uh, I, it's great to see what is this year, you know, almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. Oh, my gosh. Give me a break. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. David Haw, Bruce Levine is off today. That was Rob Manfred, and he deserves a little chin music, our Favorite segment here on the Inside the Clubhouse show. Rob Manfred talking about what they had at Oakland. is kind of a – they packed the stadium. They had a, a, a show, a turnout to 27,700 uh, people. And it was essentially a rally. And it was a response to the A's 
leaving town. They It was a reverse boycott, as they called it. And they were chanting for John Fisher to sell the team. And they are reacting to the fact that there will be no Oakland A's soon. There will be no history and tradition to celebrate. That's a franchise that's losing, a city that's losing his baseball franchise, and a franchise that's losing all of its history and tradition. Going to Vegas, going to Nevada, where the governor on Thursday signed the bill, pledging $380 million in taxpayer money toward a $1.5 billion stadium and the Oakland A's will become the Las Vegas A's or whatever they want to call themselves. It's the first time this happened in Major League Baseball since the Montreal Expos left to become the the Washington Nationals back in 2005. Now, what makes this particularly galling is that John Fisher, the owner, has not spent money to compete. That the owner has essentially done what Billionaires can do. It's their team. It's their toy. This has been orchestrated losing. They've got a $58 million payroll. You could put a couple players together on the Anaheim Angels and get that. The Mets have probably a middle, uh, you know, they're, they're, the top of the batting order makes more than that. $58 million. No wonder the A's are on a path, on a, on a pace to be historically bad. You get what you pay for, whether it's clothing, baseball teams, cars, or food. You get what you pay for, and the A's stink by design. And now they're getting away with it because John Fisher and his you know, rich buddy, uh, Rob Manfred, is, is mocking the fans that are losing their team, and it should tick every baseball fan off because this is what your commissioner thinks of the game. He doesn't love the game. Or if he does, he certainly hides it well. He loves the game where all of the teams play for a piece of metal at the end and they win the World Series. He's the guy practicing, practicing his golf swing when, when baseball is on the, on the brink of, uh, of, of a real major crisis. And Rob Manfred just has no clue how to handle public relations. Doesn't care about it. Obviously. So when he said that about the A's reverse rally or reverse boycott or whatever you want to call it, it just stood out as being in poor taste because if you're going to represent your game, if you're going to be the ambassador of your game, then understand that you're not you're serving more than just your rich buddies. You're serving more than that. And we should expect more from that from you the commissioner of baseball. I don't know if he's the worst commissioner in sports. Gary Bettman would like a word. But he certainly has the, I think, the worst combination of a lack of awareness and the importance of his role. I mean, the, 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 the disparity between the two is probably greatest with Major League Baseball. Yeah, Rob Manfred just rubbed everybody the wrong way. And so... That was our chin music this week. We were going to talk about the Cubs. We're going to talk about the White Sox when we come back. I want to know this, 312-644-6767. Is Christopher Morrell on the verge of stardom in your mind? What are the Cubs' biggest issues as we get to the point where you start to look at, well, 
this week they look like buyers more than sellers. What do they need to buy? With the White Sox, are you on the brink of something that looks like a breaking point? We've been here before, but now they're 11 games under. They're in that division, but that's not good enough. They've got injuries. We'll go through them. We'll go through player by player. But they're, what are they on the brink of? Is this the breaking point when they return home from this road swing? Where will they be? So let us know, top of the hour. Also, we've talked U.S. Open, paying attention to that over the weekend. It's, it's a major out in Los, a- Los Angeles with the country club and the scores and the conditions and the pin placement being issues. U.S. Open updates here on The Score, presented by the BMW Championship, hosted at Olympia Fields Country Club this August. So there's golf to talk about after this show ends at 11. There's a lot more to get to in Inside the Clubhouse in the second hour. We've got Mike Rankin, who's going to talk to us about the young pitching uh, prospects at the White Sox organization. But if that was all he was going to talk about, it would be a short segment. So I'm sure we'll get to Rankin about some other things concerning the White Sox. Stay with us right here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 